Bartleby is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. What the deal, B. Bacago? What's the deal? How you all doing? This is Khalif Adams. This is Spawn on Me Podcast. How you all rocking? I hope you're all doing well. I hope everything is all good in your hoods. I hope everything is doing well in the spaces that you occupy. Again, massive love to all of you at home who are watching, all the folks in podcast land, all the new folks in fanbite land who are rocking with us and being a part of our show. Massive love to you. Uh, we have a very interesting and cool chilled out show this week. Um, lots of stuff is going on in the space. Uh, lots of things that are coming to us from both inside the industry, outside the industry, culturally, all those things that go along with each other are all there uh, for us to be talking about today. Um, one of the things that I have to talk about right before we get into any news of the day, which I think is really and super, super important is, um, you saw us put up right before we started our show, uh, a picture of Brianna Taylor, um, who was denied justice this week, uh, by the Louisville police department. Um, we have to throw up our fists. We have to throw up our voices, um, in big spaces to be able to talk about that in a real way. Um, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it this week because I'm broken. Uh, that's one of the reasons why, um, again, we've seen these kinds of, uh, murders happen from police departments all across our country, all across the world. Um, and I'll say from a personal perspective, I think one of the things that has been in the space, uh, that has been really difficult to kind of comprehend has been the energy that has been in that space for a long time that has manifested itself within protest, both peace, both peaceful and not peaceful protest, which I think is absolutely okay. Um, I think that that is a thing that is absolutely warranted in the times that we live in. I think that, you know, if you want to go through the process of emoting in ways that, you know, society seems and deems to be inappropriate, under the circumstances and what we see, I think it's absolutely totally fine um, in lots of those ways uh, to figure out where you fit in in all of these perspectives and figure out ways to um, find ways to showcase and share um, the energy and the emotion that goes along with seeing people who look like you murdered on a consistent basis, not on a random basis, not on a, um, you know, off, off, you know, off chance of it happening, but happening way often and way too many times that we've seen not only in this year, but in years past and probably sadly future. Um, so I want to give massive amounts of love to everyone who is out there protesting, everyone who is out there sharing their voices, everyone who is out there, um, doing this safely and peacefully. Um, and also to all the folks who are using their energy for good, um, in lots of different ways. I want to give them massive amounts of love and shouts out in that way. Um, thing I do want to go back into, and I think this is really interesting is, uh, really quickly, no one was charged in any of the, uh, in that murder, there was one person who was charged with, uh, basically shooting the building, um, wanton endangerment, which was the theme of the day. 
that was the thing that just magically came up and ruined me in lots of different ways. I don't know what to do with that information. But again, it does not surprise me that a system that is built to destroy the black body has figured out more ways to do that um, and figured out ways to signal that that work will continuously be done and will always happen um, unless there is massive change in this way, in the ways in the spaces that we occupy from lots of different um, lots of different angles in within that conversation as well. So before we before we get into actual game stuff and talk about the news of the day, because there's a lot of it, um, I just want to say to my sisters out there, like it is it is very difficult to know where you find safety uh, in these in these times. I think the conversation I see from lots of my sisters on online has been we don't know where to go to find space. We don't know where to go to find peace. We don't know where to go to find safety. Um, I hope that our show in the small ways that it can and that it's possible to do is a place for comfort for you. I hope that this place is a space where you can feel like you have at least someone who understands and at least someone who cares enough to demonstrate that that is an important thing here. Um, one of the things that makes me most happy about this work uh, and getting a chance to do it is to give black women a space to have a platform. Um, we've done it over our six years of our podcast being here. We will continue to have that be a thing that is paramount in the work that we do. Uh, it will always be a thing that we will try to figure out ways to accommodate whenever we possibly can. And I want to continue to do what we did with um, uh, Janae Benet and other folks in that in that space is to pass the mic when it comes to not only not just things that affect black women and, and women in general on our show, but just giving them the microphone to say like, hey, we have a platform here that welcomes your voice and that wants it to be loud and proud. It wants it to talk about the things that you care about, even if other spaces will not let you do that or give you that space to do that. Um, so that is very important to me as the, the host and owner of this show and of this business to be able to do that work. Um, and I want to continue to do that in loud and proud ways. I would say in terms of gaming conversations and in terms of the gaming industry for a, for a show that has been, that's not run by a black woman, we probably have more black women on our show than any gaming podcast has in the past six years. I'm fully, fully aware that that is probably more than likely the case in terms of giving people space to be able to do what they need to do here. And I think that that is something that I am infinitely proud about and infinitely happy to say out loud. So, um, again, everybody who's home, uh, listening, you know, on your podcast app, you know, folks who are hanging out with us here on Twitch tonight. Uh, I want to say, I love you. Uh, I hope that you're safe. Um, and everybody who's out in the streets with their fists raised and their, and their voices really loud right now, raise hell, give them all the hell that they deserve because they deserve it. Um, and that's the only way that we're going to be able to get through this is if our, if our voices are loud and proud. And if all those things come to bear in all the reasonable ways that we can possibly do that work. So that is, uh, one part of the conversation for today. Um, another part of the conversation for today, um, is we just came off of not only a fantastic show before, um, in a, a couple days ago, but we had honestly our, our best spawn for good that we've ever had. Um, Spawn for Good 6, uh, No Voter Left Behind 20, uh, was an amazing success. We kicked 
ass on these streams. We did massive amount of work. I'm going to go over a couple of quick things that we, that, that are just like bullet point numbers that I think are important to set the record, right? I think one of the things that goes along uh, with these events is not only the fact that we got a chance to do good, but I think that the, from a, uh, going forward perspective, I think it's important to always chronicle and to put on and state on the record, um, you know, what you were able to do with the people that you had with you. Um, and again, massive amount of love to all the folks who streamed with us over the weekend. Again, Greg Miller, Mary Kish, uh, uh, shadow hacks or zombie kills, you know, wall stormer, um, you know, the folks over uh, official SDGC, uh, and, and so many other folks who came through and rocked with us, mega ran and, and the, the folks from giant bomb, um, came through in big ways for us. We had 26 hours of content that happened over that weekend. Um, we had, let me see the numbers really quick. Um, in these numbers right now that I'm about to say, when I say them out loud, it is pretty astonishing what you can do if you have an idea and you kind of make it happen in a real way. And uh, the biggest person that I have to give massive love and shout shouts out to is my friend, my fam, uh, Sterling McGarvey, who, again, who's, he used to be in the gaming industry in uh, a very kind of open way. I think he's, he's doing more stuff on the consultancy side, which kind of puts him behind the curtain a little bit more. Um, but without him, this event wouldn't have happened. Uh, we raised over $18,000 in 26 hours. That is an amazing amount of money to have raised with all of you at home, spreading the love and giving us love for doing that work. 18,000 plus dollars is a nuts number to say out loud. Um, so again, we broke our record four times, three times, basically. Um, we started off as a $5,000, uh, effort that then got blown out of the water because of zombie kills is like initial, you know, massive first, uh, front page love that she got. Then we blasted through 5k. Now, mind you, every vote writers event that we've done, uh, we've really kind of capped it at 5k cause we want to, you know, have a humble, uh, a humble goal so that we can make sure that we hit that for them. Because again, organizations like this are small. They don't really have a lot of people to work on the, the projects that they do to make this stuff really happen. And we want to make sure that we can at least guarantee, uh, them getting what they need to do. Um, so that's, that was the first thing Then we got to 15 then we got to 15 K we bumped it up to 15 K and our friend, Will Tuttle, a uh, friend of the show, friend of Bricago, uh, works at Xbox. Uh, he works at Microsoft and he offered up an Xbox series S that we gave away at the end of that stream. We also have to find those people and still contact them because they still are the winners. And if they don't get contacted, that means we have to re-roll that bad boy again. Um, so that's another thing. And then magically we got to $18,000, which was nuts as a number, just again, to say that thing. And, and, you know, Alex Navarro played some magical music. That was fantastic. Uh, it was so good to see him do that thing to like, get us over that initial $16,000 goal. And then we blew past that and got to 18 K the numbers I want to share with you are just a little bit of a back end nod to what we saw in terms of, uh, presence in terms of what we saw in terms of growth, in terms of what we saw in terms of, um, visibility in all of this stuff. So over the two days that we streamed, we had over. 
840,000 people watched the streams over those two days. We had over 840,000 people watch Spawn for Good number six. We also had almost 800, oh, almost 760 new followers to the channel. Uh, we averaged over 2,600 viewers over that time. Um, and we had at least throughout the time that we were, were, were on stream, a thousand people chatting at a time. Those numbers are huge in terms of what our, our channel has been able to do. We sit at right now, 1.6 million views on our channel. And that was mostly because of that weekend. So think about the impact that you can have, the visibility that you can have, um, and, and all those kinds of things. When you think about, um, you know, how this is all going to work and, and, and you have ideas of like how big the event can be and how wide you can go with it. This is what we did with some heavy hitters and some family that we all have, um, over a weekend. Just imagine what we're able to do when it comes to, you know, the bigger scope of what spawn for good is able to do once we have more funding, uh, once we have more people, once we have even more time to plan, cause we got that planned out in probably three weeks was to get everybody together get the new assets for spawn for good to go and come through, you know, gather everything, have a game plan, all that stuff, you know, Twitch blessed us with multiple front page views during that day for Saturday. Um, so again, it, it goes into the conversation about, you know, what this means for us as a, a group of folks who want to do more charity events. Like, uh, the, one of the things I've been talking to folks here locally in Portland has been around, you know, we had this massive devastation of these wildfires here in Portland, Oregon. Um, you know, we have been thinking about doing something with the folks over at Mercy Corps, uh, because they have been doing fantastic work on the ground here in Portland, uh, to, to see if we can figure out ways to help there. So there may be another before 2020 is over another event that possibly goes on that helps to, to, to benefit those folks and the folks over at Mercy Corps. It's a thing we're trying to iron out right now. Uh, so don't be surprised if you hear a thing about that, uh, coming up soon, um, for our channel. So, uh, before we jump over to, uh, the news of the week. Um, I want to say again, thank you to everyone who celebrated our joining of Fanbyte. Um, it was a phenomenal launch, uh, in terms of us getting into that new space in a new way. The folks over at Fanbyte have been beautiful and amazing. They have been super, super helpful with, with growing us there already and launching us into good spaces. Um, it feels like already feels like family in lots of different ways because of the energy that's just within that crew. Uh, it feels like they have a lot of good East coast energy, which I need because the West coast energy is very different in that way. Like people are kind of like passive aggressive on the West coast in that way, especially here in Portland. Um, folks in the fan bike group are from multiple different places, but it feels like this good, like good New York energy, East coast energy in a lot of different ways. So, um, that was good. And they were fantastic on the show rocking with us. Uh, and that was super, super cool. And, and amazing, uh, and it was very, 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 very cool to be able to see that stuff, uh, happen in real ways. Um, I'm gonna, at the break of the show for the folks who are watching on Twitch, uh, I'll be showcasing and sharing some clips from spawn for good. Uh, you won't hear that in the audio version cause it doesn't make sense. Cause you can't see the visuals behind it, but for the folks who are here on Twitch land, uh, you will we'll go through a couple of quick clips. Uh, when we hit the break of the show. So keep an eye out for that for sure. But until then, uh, what we're going to wind up doing right now is get into the four, one, one.
So we have the 411 this week. It is full of lots of different things, lots of different news today. Um, this week, because this week has been madness in lots of different, lots of different ways. Like I think, you know, of course the debacles between, you know, how do you get through all the pre-order madness that happened? There was some madness that happened on the Xbox side there. There was, you know, the 3080 card stuff. And then the 3090s that happens this morning, uh, cause we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, a lot of stuff that went down this week, uh, that changed a lot of conversations and a lot of different things that we've kind of touched upon in our previous episode, but I think have really come to fruition, uh, within this first week. Uh, the first big story of the week is all about Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft has purchased and bought out ZeniMax uh, as as the parent company of Bethesda. The biggest gaming deal that we've seen in gaming history, I probably have seen, probably would say, it is a watershed moment in lots of different lots of different ways as well. Where you you know you never see this happen in this big of a way in these times when you know there's there's a lot of you know money contrition and there's a lot of you know ideas around like how much stuff do you have that you can actually share and show and, and all that kind of stuff and microsoft did a really huge deal that no one saw coming it's a thing that usually gets leaked out but didn't get leaked out this time which was which is actually pretty cool um because usually that stuff gets dropped really early you'll hear you know jason schreier or patrick klepik will tweet out a thing and be like yo i know a thing's about to come down so like make sure you're paying attention and checking for it and none of that happened this time, which was pretty phenomenal and pretty and pretty pretty cool to be able to see um, from that perspective. Um, Bethesda now folds under um, now folds under Microsoft, um, so that means that Doom, Elder Scrolls, Fallout, and Starfield, all those games are going to wind up going to Microsoft in real ways. They will own those properties in big ways. They spent $7.5 billion on all of those entities. And the best thing about that for folks at home is that all that stuff winds up going directly into Game Pass. So again, Game Pass now becomes uh, this extra layer of content that you're just going to get. Like next next Bethesda game, you're just going to get that in, in, in Game Pass. You just get it. It'll just be in it and you don't have to think about it. If you have that subscription still paid up and you're still rocking with it, it's just going to be there. That is crazy. That's madness. Starfield, whatever that game is going to wind up being, which again, you know, I don't want to see another version of Skyrim. My God, Jesus Christ, please don't make Skyrim anymore. Don't put it on next gen consoles, even though it's going to, I know it's going to come out on next gen consoles. We don't want any more please Skyrims unless it's a new Elder Scrolls that we know is actually going to happen. Please don't make any more Skyrims. Please, sweet Jesus, please. Um, so that's going to be in that conversation. I think that the most interesting part about all of this is again, it shifts the conversation in a real way back to what we saw a couple of weeks ago with the Sony press conference or last week. I don't know what time is what the hell's time. Uh, Sony's press conference with their showcase and the prevailing conversation that you heard across all of that was so uh, it's like Microsoft doesn't have anything to show. Microsoft has no games. What is going to happen at launch? Nobody cares. What are they going to do? Cause they don't have any games. Halo getting dropped and getting pushed back. 
was the biggest news for Xbox fans because they supposedly now don't have any games. Now we put up these, these, uh, these kinds of, uh, you know, comparison photos where it's like, here are all the things that are happening for Sony here, are all the things happening for Xbox. And the major thing that they had on the Sony side was Miles Morales and death loop being their, uh, they're kind of like two big, two big gets, right? The ones that they had that were exclusives. This is like huge news in terms of flipping that on its ear, because now for as much as you want to give Bethesda shit for, um, you know, bad engines and janky engines and fallout 76, not being good. And, you know, you know, previous fallout Four story being kind of wonky. Doom was a good game and it hit well. I don't, it wasn't my favorite game because I feel like this second game was pretty much the same thing as the first game. But I think for all that said, having all those new, all those new, uh, potential IPs that are going to come out of those for years is going to be a huge boon to them when they already have a stable of folks like obsidian and turn 10 and the coalition and halo folks and all this other stuff. And then when you take that offering and you don't even talk about game pass yet in that, in that, in that sense, not even talking about, um, uh, not even talking about X cloud yet. Right. You're not even, you're not even hitting on that, on that part of the fence. It then becomes something that is way more worth what you would have expected that particular service to be while also continuing to give you value because again, those games are going to be bundled in to wherever that is. Now the conversation has changed into one of Microsoft, not having a whole bunch of stuff to Microsoft, having probably too much stuff and having all the stuff and people being worried about monopolies and them, you know, messing around with the industry in a way that is not beneficial to the industry had a fantastic conversation that I wish you would have recorded of my friend uh, Greg Haynes from over at able gamers. We all, we, we game all the time. We play all the time, um, and chop it up and, and talk about games. And he was really worried about that from that perspective to say, like, it was basically like the Kanye, nobody should have all that power kind of joint. Um, and wheels in the chat. Um, he says, uh, are we ever going to get to a space where we are wary of monopoly and oligarchy again? It's just too late for any of that. So I love Phil Spencer and his team, but I think Microsoft buying, buying Zenimax is bad. There's a lot of folks who have that conversation right now. There's a lot of people who are having that sentiment in their, in their purview right now. There's a lot of folks who are like wondering, is this a bad sign for the potential of what the gaming industry can be? Not only from a, um, from a monopoly standpoint and a loss of the, and a loss of, um, variety. And this is, this was a hazy. I'm not hazy. Greg's sorry. Greg's, um, uh, uh, some of some of his point, and if I'm I'm paraphrasing this because we had a lot of different conversations, and I think we had, we had a lot of different angles that we talked about. But one of his one of his ideas was basically like, you know, uh, how bad does this work if the studios don't perform up to the standards that the Microsoft now execs have? Does that mean that we're going to see a lot of closures in that space? Do we see, you know, because they have new metrics at the new KPIs that they have to hit? How does that affect those studios who usually would have to just answer to themselves? And their stock owner, stock stockholders, to say like that's a different angle uh, to the conversation. Um, my my personal uh, viewpoint on that whole thing was, 
from a philosophy perspective, I don't see Microsoft doing something like that or shuttering more studios or, you know, holding these folks to this really weird and un unattainable level of standard that makes them more uh, um, susceptible to being on the chopping block if they don't perform in any other way than any other company would do with any other team or any other studio or any of that stuff. I think that, you know, some of those folks will definitely have to, you know, buck up and try to figure out ways to be better for the games that they have. But I think that those particular conversations would have been there irregardless. I mean, regardless of, you know, the, the acquisition or not. Um, what I do think this changes is also Sony's strategy. I think Sony's strategy now has to change into a way where they have to double think about this kind of archaic version of the way that they're rolling out their next gen consoles in comparison to a company that looks really nimble, looks like they have money to spend. Um, you know, this is the MBA's version of the super team conversation in a lot of different ways. Um, and they're going to have to try to figure out how they're going to bolster their U.S. side of the fence. There was a TGS has just started. Tokyo Game Show just started. Phil Spencer had a conversation, a pre-recorded message out there that was basically saying that, like, you know, we want to make sure that we're coming correct when we go to Japan. And again, Sony has Japan on lock. I still don't think that Microsoft has a real way to do that, even if they supposedly, because of the rumors that we've heard by Sega, I just don't think Sega has the catalog right now that people care that much about it besides Sonic. And even then, like, so what? <laughs> like Sonic games are cool, but Sonic at this point isn't the same mascot that we remember when we were in our early 90s and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I don't know if that carries the same cachet in that same way. Um, so I don't know what that is in that in, in all those in all those spends in all those places. Uh, I don't think that necessarily works in that same way. But what I will say besides all that is that now is the time. If you really want to think about the console wars, all those kinds of things uh, that go into that space, this is going to be a really interesting moment for Microsoft because I can absolutely see if they continue to acquire different companies in the same way that all those conversations around them now becoming the big conglomerate in a way that seems detrimental to the industry are going to start to bubble up. If we see some of those angles kind of come to fruition, if we see them start to close down stuff and we see them then kind of move in, you know, nefarious ways or what the industry feels is nefarious. The one thing that I did say to Greg about that in terms of the conversation that we had was no one gets bought out if they don't want to get bought out. Like the conversation around, like, this is them coming in and cause I've heard this online from a couple of people, this is them kind of overstepping their bounds and taking over stuff when they don't need to. And then kind of like ruining companies because they're just coming in and doing what they want wantonly. The folks over at ZeniMax knew something was going to happen. The folks over at ZeniMax saw a number. And of course, if you see 7.6, $7.5 billion, raise your hand in the chat. If you're or raise your hand at home, will you turn it down $7.5 billion? No one's turning down that kind of dough. But if you have given them a space to uh, continue to do the work in the way that they want to, then I feel like it winds up being a push. I think, of course, there are folks in the uh, who are the worker bees and all those folks um, like 
who are gonna, you know, you wake up one day and you, you're like, oh shit, we got bought out. I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Like what, what happens now? Um, we saw it with a couple of companies that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, the Quixel folks who got bought out by Epic from all accounts from the people that I talk to on a, on a fairly consistent basis that I know that that merger from a really small team to now a much bigger company seems to have gone fairly well for them. Um, the conversation that major Nelson had on his podcast a couple of days ago that featured, uh, Pete Hines, Todd Howard, uh, Phil Spencer, uh, all talking about the merger in that kind of, in that, in that kind of space. Everyone seems like this is going to be a really good thing for them to be able to make the games they want to make. One of the things that really came across, which I thought was the most important conversation from two perspectives was one from, from Pete Hines, where he talked about the trust factor that has been built up between Bethesda and to, uh, uh, uh Microsoft between those two companies over the years that have been built up. Um, I think that trust factor is very, very important. It is, it feels a little bit different when you talk about a company that works side by side with the companies that they build games with in a Microsoft, as opposed to you see with an acquisition from a company like Amazon, Amazon will buy out a company. They will gut it for a certain extent, or they will have the teams on, but they, the layers of, you know, red tape that you wind up putting in when you start to instrument or when you start to implement, I'm sorry implement the the Amazon way or the big company way changes fundamentally how those people do work. I remember I used to be at a company that that was run by or was purchased by Amazon and as an IT worker and my work changed in negative ways. My the quality of work that I was able to give my customers was different and not great. And the archaic ways that they would talk about the ideas around IT work was awful. It made me hate my job and it made me hate the way that I had to work. And it made me hate the new things that they would try to implement that had no purpose that didn't make my job uh, better and it didn't make the work better. So I think that when we talk about these acquisitions, we have to give space one for time two, we have to give space for the companies who have decided to get bought out because you, again, you don't get bought out just for the sake of it. You know what you're going to get for the most part when that happens. Um, and also we have to see how the games are going to wind up being affected in that way. I think if, um, the next Bethesda joint that comes out sucks it up and it's garbage and it doesn't feel good. Doesn't, doesn't seem like they've made any growth. Then we have to then say, well, what was this acquisition for? What was the space that was supposed to happen here? What, what actually did happen once that thing got done? Um, so it's a little bit too early to, to, to tell. Um, it's a little bit too early to understand what the, all the machinations of what that's going to wind up being is going to be. Um, but I do think that the space there, uh, for them to do cool things is absolutely going to be there. Like, you know, I, I hope now that they have become now first party in the same ways that we saw insomnia, I could get a huge benefit from being first party with Sony getting the hardware early getting a chance to play around with some of that stuff in a, in a faster way that'll do nothing but good for the potential projects that Bethesda will be putting out in the next couple of years. And I think that changes the potentially the conversation around what we talk about when it comes to Bethesda, uh, for the games that they make. Um, the one that is going to be the most interesting is going to be Starfield because it's, you know, it's there and it's, it has a space and it's still kind of, you know, no one knows what the hell it is. 
But knowing that that thing is going to be on a next gen console from the conceptual parts of what that game is supposed to be is really impressive and, and really cool. And to think about whatever the next Elder Scrolls game is going to wind up being in 4K, 4K 60, all those kind of things, how, you know, that's all going to be more expansive. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be broader and what they're going to be able to do about all these things. And I think that that will be what all of us as gamers at home are going to be really excited about once those projects kind of get off the ground and, 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 and figure out if this stuff is going to work. So, um, I have to give Greg a massive big shout out. He's in the chat tonight. Uh, give it up for Hazy Rome, uh, in the chat, um, for sparking that debate and sparking that conversation, because I think it was brilliant in the way that he, he shared his, his position. Um, and, um, it was great to kind of like butt heads about that thing and try to figure out like what we were going to talk about and how I was going to bring that conversation to you all at home. I hopefully we'll be able to get Greg on get Greg back on the show to have this conversation proper. Uh, cause I think that there may be more things that happen in the not too distant future. If Microsoft again, continues to buy more people out, uh, with the, the buckets of money that they have currently in the space. So that's going to be very, very cool to see what the heck goes on in there. Um, our next story is all about Microsoft and the, uh, new Xbox expansion cards. I thought I had a picture of it somewhere. Let me see if I can pick up one. Uh, let me see if this is going to work super fast. Um, let's see. Um, so if you are familiar with what is happening with the, uh, Microsoft Xbox series X, there is a spot in the back of the console, basically that will give you more space for more expanded memory. Uh, this more expanded memory is, is an NVMe card. It is, uh, I think gen four. So it's like, uh, you know, the fastest version that you can get currently. Um, it is a one terabyte card, uh, that is going to be, you know, bundled, not bundled, but you'd have to pay for, uh, when, when, and if you get an Xbox series X, um, there are some specific things that go along with that card that I think are actually really important. Um, I think for one of the folks who has been really excited about the quick swapping of games, you know, you, you put things to sleep like you would on a, on a switch and those games up to four games, I think, uh, was the initial conversation about what you'd be able to put into a kind of like hibernate mode and see, and see, you know, have those things running in the background so you can quickly swap between those. Um, that's an interesting part of that conversation because that's been there for a minute. Um, I'm trying to figure out if it's confirmed, uh, how many things you'd be able to put on there in terms of that stuff. Um, I'm looking at this Kotaku article just to make sure that I have everything kind of ready and, and, and able to talk about in a good way. Uh, it doesn't look like it's over there in that space. Um, the biggest, well, the biggest story about that whole thing, honestly, is not even about the actual version of the memory is the fact that it's going to cost you about 220 bucks, 220 bucks for that one, for that one, uh, card, which if you're looking at, uh, NVMe cards now in their native state, in terms of, you know, where they lay in the PC arch architecture and, and ecosystem, they're about that price. Like you can get one for cheaper depending upon who you get it from. Uh, but for that gen of this kind of card, they're really expensive. Terabyte cards are really expensive. They are not cheap. Um, they cost a lot of money. The thing that was the most concerning to me 
was less about the actual price. Now, mind you, it's a sticker shock price. I understand that people see that and they freak out and it, it's reasonable to freak out about that particular price. I think that makes a lot of sense to be worried about that price. Uh, but I think for, for me, it's less about the price and more about which card vendor they're going with. So I have had negative uh, experiences with Seagate cards. I noticed they are going with them as their vendor for this thing. I, you know, my Seagate drives were all um, disc-based, you know, platters, spinning kinds of drives. Uh, I've never had a Seagate SSD because of the fact that my other drives have failed over the years from Seagate. Um, my worry is that with going with that particular vendor, that we're going to have a, a problem with quality, to be honest. Like, I just don't trust Seagate as a brand that when you say that name, I have like Seagate, Seagate PTSD in some weird ways. Like, I'm just like, oh no, I don't like it. Don't give me a Seagate drive. Seagate drives are kind of trash. Um, of course, I will take all that with a big grain of salt. Um, I have not used their products in a very long time, but I do think that there is a space there to have that discussion. Um, I would have much, much more rather to see them go with Samsung on, on a drive expansion thing. Um, I think this also will boost people's want because of the expensive price tag on these to go external drives. Cause you can put a 3.1, a USB 3.1 drive into an Xbox series X and use that as your external game drive. Um, you do lose some functionality though, uh, because you wind up not being able to play certain games on, uh, you can play those games, but I think that there's a, there's a compatibility problem between you know, if you're able to do the quick swap stuff with some of those games. Um, and I, and I, and I have to, I won't, I won't say what that is yet because I don't fully have it, uh, baked into, you know, the actual, like truthful, honest version of that yet. I just don't know. Um, I just haven't done the research on that and I will come back with that in a later date. We'll, we'll re talk about this. I'm sure in the next show that we do just to clarify those things. But I think, Transfer speeds are part of that TDE TDH in the chat says probably due to rewriting transfer speeds for the external drive. Probably. Yeah. Like, you know, that's an easy, quick way to, to, to probably determine why that would be a problem. As you saw with the PlayStation five, they've gone and gotten proprietary drives that they've made specifically for their consoles because of those needs to have things read and write super fast in that way. Um, I think it is really important for that to be a part of their ecosystem to make sure they got it right, because that's going to be a thing that they're really worried about and talking about in real ways. Um, so that is something that is very, very important and specific to them. Um, I do think, um, uh, let me check really, really quick in the chat it says the game can be stored in an external USB drive, but it has to be moved to an internal drive before being played. Okay. So, um, you'll have to move that game from that external drive into the internal drive because that internal drive will be able to read it faster makes sense. Um, but at 220 bucks, that's going to be a hard thing when you've already spent $500 plus a controller, plus a couple of games, plus whatever other peripherals are going to be in the space at that point in time. Um, I do wonder what's going to wind up happening for the folks who are, you know, at the gate purchasing all that kind of stuff. Cause I'll be honest. One of the things I did not see during the whole process of trying to pre-order uh, an Xbox Series X was this card. I didn't see that anywhere, to be honest. I think that's going to be a really weird thing that wasn't in the ecosystem until probably closer to launch. 
Uh, but it is going to be a thing that they're going to have to message out very specifically and, 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 and in great detail why you need, why you should have that thing. Um, so that's going to be tricky for them to, to be able to get that off the, uh, across the finish line, but it will be really interesting to see what they do with it. Um, I just don't know what that's going to wind up being for them in real ways. Uh, it's going to be just like super funky for them to try to figure out how to message that out in a good way and then try to figure out what they're going to do with it and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I, uh, I'm not, I'm not excited for them to have to try to figure out all those things in a space where messaging has been really bad. I wouldn't say it's necessarily terrible from the Xbox position because I think they've done a fairly good job of uh, getting people the information that they need, showing videos of like, here's how fast it will take to load a game. Here's the kind of other stuff that you can do. Um, there was a problem during launch day, not launch day, during pre-order day, where a lot of people mistakenly bought the previous gen console because the naming convention was too, too was too close, which I found to be amazingly uh, ironic and funny. Um, but I think that, you know, again, with next gen now being super close, um, in lots of different ways. We're a couple months out literally from these things being in your homes. If you pre-ordered, um, there's some tightening up to do in terms of the way that things wind up getting messaged out, um, in real ways, because yo, it's just, it's just nuts to be able to figure out like where things lay, where things are going to go, how that stuff is supposed to work. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to wind up being confused when it comes time for them to, uh, like get that stuff done. Um, so that's going to be rough. Uh, we'll be, we'll be checking on that to see where that stuff winds up going and how that stuff winds up laying out in, in terms of all the energy that's going to be in that space for that conversation. Um, also pre-order stuff was just been janky all week. Like PS five stuff was bad. Microsoft stuff was bad. There has to be a way to figure out a way to make this stuff better. I will say this for my PlayStation five pre-order. Um, the one good thing was that they did have a, a queue system. If you were one of the lucky folks who've gotten an email that was like, Hey, if you, if you want to get one, use this particular, this particular link, uh, you'll be put into a queue. You will go there, copy your stuff and get whatever peripherals you want and then dip out. I was lucky enough to be able to snag one of those emails and I got, and I hope at this point I have like two pre-orders in two different places at this point. Um, I hope that that whole thing goes through and I did like that system. I think it was smart to be able to do that, uh, so that you can avoid having to battle all the bots that's on the internet to be able to get a console. That was not a fun, uh, experience at all. It was really, really bad to be honest, to see how many things and how many hoops you had to go through to just get this one particular thing that, you know, there should be a lot of, uh, <laughs> it would be nice to make sure that there's a lot of those in the, in the channel, uh, so that you can get that stuff. All that aside, you know, if you were able to get one, congratulations. If you did not, I'm sorry. Uh, the process sucked and it was ass, uh, and it was booty butt cheeks and I don't like it and it shouldn't, it needs to change. And I hope it changes soon, uh, for lots of folks for the upcoming stuff that's going to be coming out too. Cause I think there's a lot of that conversation happening in real ways. Um, before we take a quick break before our last story of the night, I have to give a massive shout out to our friends over at team liquid. Uh, the folks over at team liquid are been kind enough to sponsor our show for the month of September. 
they have been brilliant to work with. They are fantastic folks. Uh, they have been amazingly kind and amazingly dope uh, for, for working with us here at Spawn On Me. Um, and it's been amazing to, you know, work with such a big company, have our name attached to their stuff and, and to be able to say that we have been the first, one of the first folks, actually probably the first, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, podcast to be able to work with them in a real way in this way. So again, go over to uh, tl.gg slash store, uh, cop some of their stuff. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick break. Um, f- again, for the folks here at Twitch, we're going to listen to uh, right after the uh, uh, Team Liquid commercial. Uh, we're going to look at a couple of quick clips and stuff like that. Uh, and then we'll run into our last story of the night uh, for the 411. So until then, everybody at home, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. hero is often thought of as legendary, a figure of divine descent, someone endowed with great strength or ability, someone who's admired for courage, outstanding achievements, and noble qualities. For some, the journey seems like it has no end, no light, no more fight to give. It's in those trying times that heroes are born, that champions rise up, that legends are forged, when obstacles turn into opportunities. No matter the circumstance, no matter the journey, there's always one thing that reigns true, a drive to be the best. That's what makes a hero. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. It matters how many times you get back up. Again, massive love to our folks over from Team Liquid for supporting our show and for rocking with us and doing all that work uh, and, and helping us out uh, by supporting Bracago in the ways that they do. Our last story for this episode is all about Amazon Luna. So it looks like Amazon is now coming to the streaming service, the cloud gaming service conversation with a new service that's going to be it's already in uh you know signups for early access uh, but what it's going to wind up doing is kind of like what stadia has been doing but probably better because stadia is not doing really well so for an introductory price of 5.99 per month you'll get a curated library of pc games uh called luna plus on the luna plus game channel that says that those games will be playable across a broad range of devices including fire tv pc mac and iOS devices, which is nuts. So it's via a web-based app that bypasses Apple's app store from Engadget is what they shared. That is sneaky as fuck. That is real bugged out that that's the case. Um, I don't know how that's supposed to work 
But if Amazon is saying that they can skirt around iOS in that way and do that work in that way, that's wild to me. Um, that's going to be something that is very, very interesting seeing how these things are going to kind of change the way that we're thinking about these games and thinking about not only that, but of Amazon being able to be an arbiter or a person who's bringing that stuff to the space. That's again, going to be real funky to see how that's going to work. Um, they said the titles expected to be playable during early access are going to be resident evil seven control panzer dragoon, a plague tale, innocence, uh, surge Two, ukulele, uh, and the impossible layer iconoclasts grid abzu brothers, a tale of two, so two sons and more. Uh, Amazon also announced the first of many additional channels, uh, the Ubisoft channel that'll take uh, a selection of older games. Uh, and may also have access to games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla on day one. Um, the coolest, uh, thing that people have kind of been talking about in terms of all of that has been the, uh, the controller, which I think is kind of cool. Um, it actually looks like that. It's over my face. It's a controller on my face. Um, which looks pretty cool. Actually. I think it's, you know, of course is reminiscent of the Xbox controller. Um, I think. It is very much a, you know, one-to-one -one analog of what that controller is going to be. Um, I, again, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we don't know if this is going to get off the ground in a real way. Amazon is known for killing projects that don't perform well. Um, the thing that is also going to be really interesting is that they're trying to connect the game in a, in a similar way to the way Stadia did with YouTube. But they're going to be doing this with Twitch, where you should be able to see a game that someone is playing on the channel. And then seeing that game, you should be able to basically pop in and play that game on your console. I don't know if you're going to be able to stream it in the same way that, that, that they have in that space, but you should be able to, from what they said, uh, they said the service will be integrated into Twitch folks watching a game. Uh, being played, we'll be able to launch Luna games directly from Twitch while Luna game pages will prominently feature streams of games in progress. Um, again, that sounds a lot like what Stadia is doing. Um, the thing that I actually really care about besides, um, the Amazon angle and the, you know, watch it on Twitch, you know, be able to play it on Twitch is one, is this going to be a thing that's going to get folded into prime gaming, which I think they should. I think this should be absolutely a thing that they should fold into prime gaming Two, um, I think this is to be a thing that they should absolutely let streamers be the ones to showcase should be the ones that they should have as the Guinea pigs for it, uh, should be the ones that they are going to have to promote it and have there be some incentive as a streamer. And as you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of conversations about like, oh, this is going to be a thing for the partners or, or folks who are not partners. Um, we don't know yet if that's ever going to be a thing, if it's going to be a thing at all, but I do think these are all incentives to get people into an ecosystem that they're already in while showcasing the people who would be using it or the folks that they're seeing every day through the content that they watch, see those folks be the ones who are the tastemakers in this space. Um, will be really cool to see what that looks like from that perspective. I think that's going to be very interesting but I don't know yet what that means for, um, the service yet. You know, I put in my name to get early access. I'm going to reach out to the PR folks on that side to see, 
if we get hands on with it at some point so I can report back to you all here in Bracago. I think, you know, it's going to be weird with the price, with the, with the stuff you're already paying for. Like I know a lot of people already have subs. Uh, King of co-op says paying a subscription for a platform and then needing to purchase games on top of that. Exactly. Like that's not something that is really exciting in that way. As a person who is currently using xCloud on an Android device that works really well, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, latency, uh, you know, what's the connectivity stuff look like? What's the game pricing going to look like? There are a lot of different questions in that space for us to kind of like bark through and figure out. I think, you know, again, is it going to be a thing that, you know, Google has had a space to kind of get in there and work the angles and it hasn't really worked yet. Uh, cause it's been wonky in terms of the messaging and what they, what they're going to offer. Um, Xbox and Microsoft are the best positioned currently because they folded so many different things under, uh, uh, under game pass that everything looks like a bargain at this point. Um, and the service works well. The biggest thing for Luna is going to be again, how much you're going to make me pay, how much that stuff gets rolled into other services that I already have. Uh, are you going to offer me any games that are not going to be stuff that I can get on other platforms that maybe work better? And then what's your tolerance for pain basically? Because it's like, if it doesn't pop off in a way, is this going to be a thing that we see get killed in the water fairly early? Uh, because no units are being sold and no one's picking up the subscriptions. And it's really only the first adopters who are going to be checking out this thing just to see if it works. So, um, I think there's a lot of things in that space, uh, to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know where it's going to land, but it is an interesting idea that they're trying to get into the game in a real way. Uh, and how they're going to kind of make that thing happen is going to be pretty cool. Uh, I'm not going to crap on it because I don't know what it's, what it's like yet. Um, so lots of things to discuss. I think, you know, again, we're a couple of months out from, uh, from launch. Uh, I think there's a lot of cool stuff that's going to be happening for us on the channel, uh, in lots of different ways. You know, Tokyo game show is going to be happening this week and probably a little bit into next week. Uh, so there'll be some information there. You know, will we see another buyout from Microsoft over Japanese company, which has been the rumor. Of late, there's been lots of conversations around that. Um, and then also what's just going to happen with any new announcements coming out of Sony. Again, if you listen to our show from this week, uh, or from, from this past week, there are still so many unanswered questions coming out of the Sony camp. And I wonder if they're a little bit shook after all the stuff that happened with Xbox this week. Um, we will see, we don't know yet. Uh, I hope everybody is patient in that way. But I also think it's about time that Sony needed to step up its game and talk about some of the stuff that we need to know. The feature list is, is, is pretty big and we just don't know what any of it does yet and how those systems are going to work together to give you a good experience when you're at home. So, um, last announcement, uh, next week, uh, in terms of a show, uh, I don't know what's going to happen yet. Um, I may try to record another thing this weekend. Um, I am moving to a new home. Uh, so I have to reset up all my streaming stuff and set up all my things. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of what's going to happen for me in the next couple of days. Uh, I'll be packing as soon as I finish re recording this show and, uh, most of the weekend. Uh, so lots of things are going to be coming through, 
um, for for me and the Adams family in in the next you know seventy two to ninety six hours uh, of getting things together. Um, but with that said, I want to say again, thank you to everyone who came through tonight uh, to listen to the show. Uh, thank you to everyone who came through uh, for the announcement of Fanbyte uh, being you know us joining Fanbyte. And again, all the love you all show on the internet every week, uh, you know, here and everything else that's on the, the podcast side of things, everything that's on the Twitter side of things. It's been really nice um, to see and hear all the kind of sentiments uh, th- that I get thrown my way in a, in a world that is very, very negative. Um, I, will, I will happily say that I get a lot of positive sentiment thrown my way. Um, and that has been fantastic. So things that I will hopefully want you to do is again, subscribe to the show on the podcast platform of choice. Our YouTube is growing really, really well. We want to push more people to, to YouTube. Let me know things that you want to see on that end. Uh, if there's specific content you want to see coming from that side of the fence, if you want to see us do and try other new things, uh, some of those things will have to wait until I get moved. But I think, you know, we're just trying to figure out ways that we and Fanbyte can do cool content together in a way that is different than what we usually do on Spawn and Me proper. So again, keep us in your thoughts, keep us posted on all that stuff um, and make sure that you're giving us some ways to kind of think about all those things together so that we can make some really dope content for y'all. So um, until next week, uh, massive amounts of love. Uh, another programming note before we dip is this show uh, will be up tomorrow as opposed to Tuesday. Um, it is a thing that we're going to, we're going to try now that we're with Fanbyte. We have a couple more hands to help us with some stuff. Also turn around maybe a little bit faster. So this episode for everyone who is listening to it tonight on Thursday on the live show, uh, the recorded version and the podcast version should be up sometime tomorrow on Friday. Uh, and that may be our new launch day is, uh, going from Thursday to Friday's on on the launches so pay attention to that again share it pass it around give it to all your friends give it to all your foes um and until then we're gonna get out of here for 355 of the swan me podcast with Khalif adams massive amounts of love to you all at home wash your hands wash your butt keep yourself in good spirits find good people around you to give you good energy uh everybody here in twitch land we see you next week everybody here in podcast land we'll see you tomorrow Uh, when the share goes live. Much love to you all. Much love and peace.